this is Tim Hernandez. You are tuned in to Words on a Wire. Um, today, we have a very special guest. I'm excited about our guest. Uh, you know, here on Words on a Wire, we, uh, we like to interview and highlight authors, poets, upcoming writers, new voices. Uh, we try and get in the nooks and crannies of the literary landscape across the country as much as possible. And today, um, my guest is a, um, well, he's a young up-and-coming writer, also a journalist, and I think we're going to speak to him probably mostly about his journalism, but uh, but also I want to get into a little bit of his poetry as well. He's based in Central California, where I'm originally from. That's how I know him. His name is Martin Velasco Ramos. I'm going to read you his bio. Uh, he's a journalist from, the Calif- like I said, from California's Central Valley, where I'm originally from. So it's always a special for, a special for me to uh, want to highlight you know, voices from that area, especially up and coming one. Uh, his early work involved publishing short fiction in literary journals, competing nationally in the 2017 Individual World Poetry Slam. We'll talk to him about that as well. In 2019, he was the editor for the first issue of Breathe Magazine, a publication that focused on stopping the stigma surrounding mental illness and providing mental wellness resources through personal narratives, which we'll also get into, personal narratives. More recently, he launched a new YouTube channel called The Brave Things. I'm going to read that again. It's called The Brave Things. So, you know, you got to be brave to have a title like that for your YouTube channel. Uh, And that actually focuses on providing research-based guidance for successfully navigating emerging adulthood. Uh, He currently writes for The Valley Voice. It's a bilingual, I mean, I'm sorry, it's a bi-weekly newspaper in Tulare County. And uh, he's an undergraduate in psychology at College of Sequoias right there in Visayas, currently um, pursuing his undergraduate degree very soon. Martin Velasco Ramos, welcome to Words on a Wire, my friend. Words on a Wire. Words on a Thank you. Thank you for having me, Tim. Absolutely, man. How, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of stuff. You're always busy. I, I try to stay busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. see you keeping busy all the time with uh, you had. Well, when I first met you, you were doing a lot of poetry. I know that, right? Slam, yes. slam and spoken word. Yes. Why don't we start there? How? Let me ask you this. Where were you when poetry first found you? That's an interesting story because it, it actually has to do with, with, uh, with my girlfriend, yeah. Right. She was she was into the poetry scene. She's actually the one that introduced me to it. Um, she, they, we had a, a, like a local poetry slam event at the COS library. Right. Wait, we should name drop your girlfriend. Destina Hernandez. Oh, OK. OK. Good. Good. OK. okay. My lovely, lovely girlfriend. Yeah. And she's an almost, amazing poet as well. Yes. For sure. Yes. I've almost four years now. Um, wow. Four years. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's the longest relationship I've ever been in. Well, there you go. That's what poetry will do for you. <laughs> <laughs> so then, okay, so you guys met up at a reading at COS. Well, she actually Sequoia. performed. She actually performed a slam poem, um, and I heard her perform the poem, and I like instantly fell fell in love with her like mm. right, right away. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like that. that's 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 what ended up happening. Like I um, I saw her on the stage. Um, she performed this poem that was really powerful, um, and I was like, wow. Like I've never had, I've never experienced something like this before. Like someone's written. Um, words spoken that sort of like touched me on an emotional level, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you can, um, it was, it was, uh, something that, that, uh, I was fascinated by. Um, and that's sort of what got me into it. I wanted to learn more about poetry and slam poetry in particular. Oh, so you weren't really writing too much at that time? No, no, no. Oh, I mean, wow. I was doing mostly like, 
fiction, some short fiction right. for the most part. Um, and it, I didn't get involved into slam poetry until, until that day. Then I, wow. You know. So after that, and you were inspired then to go write your own work? Or, I mean, what made you think, okay, now I'm going to go up there and read that. I'm going I'm to enter slams. Because <laughs> that's, that's a bold step. Yeah, it was you really know? scary, uh, really intimidating. Um, I think what sort of pushed me to do it was just hanging around the slam poetry scene and watching other people perform, yeah. watching other people's uh, work. And I started to realize, man, maybe I can do something like that, right? So I started to mess around um, and sort of explore my... I really use it to explore my identity as a person. I think slam nice. poetry really helped me to uh, discover myself, right. who I am, where I come from, what I value, the right. things that I struggle with. Right. And then it's a bold step because when you're, when you're writing that... I mean, it's a bold step, like I said, to, to get onto a stage, first of all. But then to get onto a stage and compete, which is what slam poetry does. Mm -hmm. and then, but then going back a few steps, even just the step of, you know, working out your own identity or working out your own, you know, personal life through language on a page is a pretty vulnerable step. Did you find that that, that first step of working out your own life, your own identity um, through poetry was difficult or did that just come natural to you? That's, I think that, that's a really good question. Um, I think it was whenever you work through anything that has to do with your past, especially if it's something um, traumatic or painful, which poetry, like there's lots of pain in yeah. poetry, right? When you hear someone, um, I think that's, that was mostly what you would see on the stage. You would literally mm. see people like, well, not literally, you would see people <laughs> metaphorically bleed on the stage. Right. Yeah, right. Sometimes literally. I've seen it, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a wild slam back in the day. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, so um, you are sort of processing some of the things that you've gone through in the past on the stage with the audience. And I think that's what makes it so, so awesome. It's cathartic, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it really is. Yeah. I've seen you read your poetry um, in front of audiences before, you know, and you're really impassioned and, uh, you know, um, yeah, you're, you're digging deep in your poetry and what you're searching for in your own discovery, you know, and that's something that right away when I first saw you read, which was a few years ago, actually, now, uh, you know, I opened my eyes and I was like, man, this is this is a young man who's going to be definitely to keep an eye out for in the future, you know, and since then, you've gone on to do a lot of other things. But first, before, I, before we move on to the other things mm -hmm. you've, you've been doing, um, but then, so okay, so take me back a little bit. So then you're doing slams here in, uh, in, the, in the Central Valley, where you're from, yeah. and then uh, somehow you end up competing for the national championships. How does that, how, how to tell us? That was that? really weird, because yeah. the local slam <clears throat> scene um, that was run by uh, Michael Hasso, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah. We he typically had him at Howie and Sons, if right. I say a little pizza the joint. Pizza joint yeah. slash pub, yeah. In the back, the back room. That's where the best slams happen, Dude. pubs, pizza joints, yeah. Yeah, it, like the, <clears throat> the vibe there is, is just, it's just really cool. Yeah. Um, so that, that was the scene, and he, he ran the slam poetry scene in seasons. Um, and, oh, I see. And throughout that season, people would uh, gain points, with each, you know, oh, with with each, each win, right? Oh, wow, wow, I didn't know that. So right. by the end of the season, and it gets close to the national competition, the person with the most points ends up becoming the representative for the city to go oh, compete wow. nationally. So wow. I actually entered at the tail end of the season. I wasn't competing the whole season, uh, so I entered really late into it, right. um, and I managed to get enough wins to become the Visalia representative like at the last stretch. That's crazy. Yeah. 
That's crazy. And then that brings me such, when I first saw you read, uh, you mentioned Michael Hasso and his, uh, what's the name of his poetry? Uh, or, uh, the poetry. The Loud event? House. The Loud House, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no sorry. Loudmouth. Loudmouth. Loud, loudmouth Poetry Event in Visalia. Now, our listeners, they, they're a little familiar with me. They know I'm from the San, central San Joaquin Valley in California for the most part. But uh, I'm actually, one of the towns I was, I'm from is Visalia, mm-hmm. right, where, where you're from. Um, I, I went to high school there. And, you know, after high school, I knew I wanted to be an artist. And I can tell you from personal experience, little suburb, suburban towns like Visalia, they really didn't, at least back in the mid-90s, early 90s, they didn't have, there was no other poetry venues. There were no mm-hmm. poets. I didn't even know, I had never met a poet, you know. Yeah. I met one artist, you know, who was on Main Street, and that was by accident, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and the, the Main Street in Visalia is called Main Street, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, was a, it was like, you know, finding artists, finding common uh, folks who had things in common with you like that, the arts and expression, was really difficult. And I remember trying to organize stuff back when I came out of high school in the town of Visalia. So here I am now, you know, 20 some years later, I come back to my, the city of Visalia, where my family still lives, my parents, I mean. And that's when I go into this slam and I see you and I see, you know, other poets reading there. And I'm like, man, this, you know, to see the community come up like that, to see, and mm-hmm. I start, you know, that could be applied to small town America everywhere now, right? We see poetry in all the small towns coming up in venues like that, you know? Yeah. What has that meant for you as a writer coming up in a, in a smaller community like Visalia? Dude, it was so, it meant so much to me, honestly. I, I, I think one of the things about being a writer is that um, you sort of struggle, at least, especially if you're coming from a smaller community, you sort of struggle to find your niche, to find your community, find your people, Yeah. right? Especially because writing can be such a, um, you know, by nature, you're alone when yeah, you're writing. Sure. So Sometimes. it's hard to find a community solitary. sometimes. It can be very solitary yeah, yeah. Um, um, venture. So when I found this community of poets, right, here was a bunch of people that all loved writing and um, being honest and vulnerable on the stage and really yeah. working on the craft of writing together and giving each other advice and critique and really trying to make each other grow. Like that, that was amazing. To right. be able around all those all those right. people, and then and then you came out with a chat book a couple of years ago, uh, maybe two or three years ago, um, <laughs> which was a wonderful chat book. I I, I got it and I shared it with others. Um, but uh, remind me of the title again. <laughs> the the King of Webonadas. The, the King of Webonadas. That's right, man. <laughs> I loved it, and there, there's a wonderful illustration on the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? How did you you know how did you decide I'm gonna make a chat book? Or did you know did you collaborate with somebody on that on the making production of that? Or I decided to make the chat book leading up to, after I had the King of Webonadas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like something my mom might have called me back in the day. You know, <laughs> part of the reason why I titled it that way because yeah. you know in my poetry I talked a lot about my my heritage right. and uh, growing up in a in a traditional uh, Mexican household, right? And that that culture clashing. Right? Yeah. Um, so I decided to make the chat book after winning the the uh, the finals yeah and visalia and getting selected as a representative to go to the compete nationally right so i made the chat book i put the poems that i had you know been working on and i put it together as a way to sort of raise money so that i can go compete because it's yeah it's not cheap no to, yeah to, to fly out to get a place money. right so that's why i decided to to put it together wow. um yeah, the, the, the title King of Obonadas was actually based was actually that's the name of one of the, the poems. I think the right. main poem in that chapbook that sort of um explores uh like I said, the clash between uh traditional 
a Mexican culture and an American culture. Right. Um, and growing up in a household like that where you get called, you know, Huevon. Huevon. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so instead of, and that's, that was something that Which actually... Which would be hurt. translated, you translated for, translated for our listeners. Huevon would be... So Huevon would be lazy. Lazy, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, that I would, I would be lazy, called yes, lazy right. all the time in my okay. household, you know. Yeah. I grew up hearing that. I grew up being called that also. Huevon. Yeah. And it hurt a lot, you know. It, it does it, hurt. It, it hurt, hurt, man. It hurt a lot. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you get called a lot of other things, but you know. Because on the other hand, they're still making you do all the chores and working all yeah. the time growing up, but then they're calling you Huevon, you know, so. Mm. And it's not easy growing up. You know, you're a first generation oh, yeah. um, Mexican American, right? Like you have a, a, a disconnect with your parents, right? You yeah. have a disconnect with your culture. So you're not, obviously, you're not 100% Mexican, you're not 100% American, right. right? So it's difficult being in that in between space. And at the same time, while you're struggling, you're getting called a huevon, right? So <laughs> your family's calling you <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. I so agree. it hurts. So the, the, the whole premise of that poem was sort of embracing that word. Yeah. And sort of saying like, okay, yeah, I am. Yeah. Like, you know what? I am the Webon. You know what? No, I'm yeah. the king of Webonadas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was really good. That kind of reminds me of like Sandra, Sandra Cisneros' Loose Woman, you know, mm, Loose yes. Woman and like taking ownership over what that means. You know, I'm the loose woman. I am this woman. I am that boogie woman lesbian. So what? Like, That's, you know, yeah. she's like that whole like ownership of, okay, this is what you're calling me. This is what you, you want to, you want to use that in some derogatory way towards me. Well, look, look what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to take ownership over it and, and rule it, you know, and that's what you were doing. That that's a very good point. That's funny because I was, you know, read, that was one of the poems that we, uh, we ended up reading in my English class at, ah. at COS okay. pri prior to, you know, this whole poetry scene. Right, thing. right. So uh, maybe unconsciously her work totally. influenced mine. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's the whole, whole idea of like using your weaknesses. Yeah. And putting it on as armor, as as uh, Tyrion Lannister would say in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a reference. I'm nodding, but I don't really know it. I don't get the <laughs> reference, but I'm sure the people out there do, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. No, you know, if you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and we're in conversation with uh, rising voice, uh, emerging poet and journalist, Martin Velasco Ramos, who's based in Central California. And uh, we're just chatting, chatting with him about all the things he's got going on. So then... Um, and then you made a pivot at some point, yeah, uh, going towards journalism, mm -hmm. right? And how, tell me about how that happened. Well, like what called you towards journalism? I think, and this <clears> is sort <throat> of, I think, a precursor to getting into um, working with psychology and emerging adulthood. Um, I, at the time when I was doing some of this this poetry stuff and writing, um, I had I had like I put like all of my being into that, mm. right, and to the point where I think it maybe might have gotten a little bit unhealthy because yeah. I was taking a lot, of, a lot of other things for granted, like, mm. you know, my like family, work, education. Like I was, for me at the time, it was just like writing, 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 writing poetry, like push myself as a writer as much as possible. Um, and then eventually started to realize, you know what, maybe like I'm not really getting anywhere with this. Like I, I can't just be um, focusing on one thing. I have to be a little bit more well-rounded as a person right. and try to, try to um, gain some more experience right. and um you know because right. at the time i was obsessed with becoming a like a published author right, right? and to get my own book and yeah and, you yeah. know and you know and uh, that's still coming up for you by the way but yeah yeah <laughs> somewhere down the line yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but i realized you know what if i want to do that i need to gain more experience so i sort of looked around at, at the opportunities wow. and possibilities around me and i you know one of them was a journalism class at cos so i decided to sign up i joined it um, I did a few articles through that, and then yeah. I met someone through that class who was actually the uh, who did the layout for the Valley Voice newspaper, a biweekly newspaper. Which is a local newspaper yeah. in the central San Joaquin Valley. 
just focuses on all things kind of happening, right? Mm-hmm. right. But is it an independent paper? It is, right? Yes, right. independent yeah. paper. Yeah, right. which and it's and it's kind of a you know it sort of clash with it really clashes with uh, the the primary um, political climate in the area, right? Because we're primarily a conservative area. Right. That, that Valley Voice is a bit more progressive. Oh, I see. Got you. Got um, you. Okay. So I, I met that. someone there at that journalism class. Yeah. And. Uh, I was like, hey, are there any writing opportunities where I can get work? And they said, yeah. oh, yeah, I actually do this for the Valley Voice. You want to join? Um, wow. You can just send us send them some of your writing. And that's what I did. And I got in and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> wow. And, and OK, so then you're in there with like you're in there kind of coldly because you didn't take you haven't taken any journalism at this point. No, no classes really right. other than that. I actually ended up dropping that class. I didn't go through it all <laughs> the way. Yeah. But you kept the job. But I kept the job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. So, what was your first story? What's the first story they assigned to you? I, I can't. I think it was something boring, like a like a. City, I mean, it usually is right. Yeah, like a city council meeting. Like they give you the scraps. <laughs> like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll give you a shot. Try this out. Yeah, city council meeting. Yeah. Yeah, but um, after I sort of sort of started to demonstrate that I was actually a competent writer, they yeah. they started to give me a bit more leeway and, right. and a little bit more freedom. The, right. The the editor for the paper, uh, Joseph Oldenburg, he was um very open all the time nice so like if i brought something to him or or uh, or catherine oh, open the stories like yeah yeah like right. hey i want to write something on this he'd be like go for it wow. you know um some of my early work was covering uh the homeless issue in right the area that's so. what i wanted to talk with you about because that was one of the first as far as i know anyways that was to me one of the first sort of major stories that you kind of really pinpointed mm-hmm. especially in the san joaquin valley for those who don't know the listeners out there in central california there's such a high rate of homeless, uh, homeless population is just, just incredible, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the San Joaquin Valley. Obviously, you know more about that, but what was the first thing that prompted you towards wanting to, you know, write about that subject? I think seeing it around in the neighborhood, right? Right. You know, just down the street, you'd see people sleeping on the sidewalk. Um, and that's actually how I got started. I just started talking to people mm. on the street. Um, one of them, her name was uh, Gemini, who ended up, uh, who, who slept on the corner of... Uh, Noble and Chinnawith, mm. right there. It was the middle of winter too, so oh. like she was sleeping on the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah, so I I just went up to to her and started asking her questions and asking other people questions and asking about their stories and how they became yeah. homeless, um, and that's how how it sort of uh, took off. From there, I started covering um, Susie Ward, uh, who is a uh, um, a uh, she's a priest right. at a local church, who who has a uh, yearly warming center for the homeless. homeless so right. then I started covering that and going to the right. warming center and talking to people there. And yeah. it was, it was mostly a uh, public interest pieces. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, again, to, not to, you know, I mean, to, to, to stress to the listeners out there who aren't familiar with the San Joaquin Valley in California, it's the agricultural hub. You know, it's really what most of California's in, um, uh, that's where their income comes from for the most part, uh, yeah. is from agriculture, right? But um, but the Central Valley is super conservative. It's really a conservative mm-hmm. region. And so for you to write stories like what you were focusing on, um, also I know you had stories on the Black Lives Movement, yeah. Black Lives Matter Movement. Um, you had stories that were on, uh, you know, issues that were happening with students in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know you were covering also the COVID, the pandemic, when that happened in, in nursing homes that were, you know, not abiding by these, you know, all that kind of stuff. Have you taken a lot of flack for some of these stories? Have Did you I? personally? 
I, because I mean, I know it's a conservative community and here you are and you look like, I mean, you obviously you're Chicano, but you also yeah. look it, you know what I mean? You're not passing of anything, my friend, like yeah. you look Chicano, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> and by that, I mean, you know, we could be brothers. Mm-hmm. Dude, I would, but, I would yeah. get hate every single time I dropped really? an article. Wow. Every single every time. Single time? Every single time. Every single time. I've been called so many things, man. Like, I think the most part was just, there was just so much disrespect, right? Like an idiot with the camera, right? You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, they they called you that. Stuff like that. Um, Jeez. um, So I got hate every single time. And to this day, whenever I drop an article, um, it's it's just part of it. It's just part of it. I I like to compare it to sort of um, giving like like a piece of meat to rabid dogs. That's what it's like whenever I drop Oh, article. I see. Yeah, they just like tear it up. They start to tear it up, yeah. yeah. And they start to badmouth you. Mm-hmm. And you guys, do you guys have uh, this Valley Voice? Do your articles appear online so people can comment online? That yeah. kind of thing too? Oh, gosh, yeah. So mm-hmm. they're like, who is this fool or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I did, I've did. i seen it. I read a couple of comments from your past articles and I was like, dang, he's taking some hits. <laughs> but but you're right. You probably build up a skin. You build up a it, callus towards you that. You know what? It really did help me build up a thick skin. Yeah. And I think that's something that I lacked um, prior to working for the newspaper, I yeah. was I was really sensitive. See, now you're ready to be back. Now you're ready to go back into poetry. You got a thick skin, so now you're ready to go back into poetry. <laughs> no, that's crazy. Yeah, and I know that you consulted with uh, a mutual friend of ours now, a wonderful journalist, also an author, um, based out of El Paso, right here uh, where I'm at in Frontera, um, Alfredo Corchado. Right. Right. He offered you a little bit of advice or something like that at one point. I mean, I, I know that that's. You've been kind of out there looking for guidance at times. You, know, you really get out there is my point. You know, yeah. You're hustling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that just, is that just come natural to you? Because it's not easy for people to reach out like that to somebody they don't know, you know, or just, just to people that they, whose work they admire and they, mm. you know, they're looking at uh, that kind of thing. You know, that, does that come natural to you or? I think. Or is that something that, that you, like, are you really shy and introverted and then you're like, oh man, but I'm going to have to do this anyway. Or I got to, I mean, you know, how does that happen? That's a good question. That's a good question because I, I wasn't always like this. I think for the early, early on, I, I didn't really reach out to people. But at some point, I think it was once I started um, taking my education seriously, my writing seriously, mm-hmm. I realized very quickly that I need help. Yeah. I can't do this by myself. Like, I need to reach out to people. I need to find mentors. I need to find yeah. people that are experienced. I need to ask, seek advice. So that's yeah. what I started doing. Right. Uh, and it worked. Yeah. You know, and people, um, I think, in the journalism business, right, they, one of the things, like, if you want to be a good general, journalist, you have to have courage. Right. right? Yeah. You have to be willing to face your fears. Yeah. Because if you, want, you, if you, want, if you want to get the story, if you want to um, a really tell a good story, then you have to push, back, push past the, the fear that you may feel. Um, the so discomfort? What, or? Yeah, the dis- whether it may be just, like, you know, calling someone. You know, when I first started doing journalism, just right. calling somebody was making me nervous, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when I first started co- covering homelessness, you know, there's mm. there's a uh, preconception, sure, right? Of course, that you know maybe the homeless are dangerous, right? You have this preconception that like oh, they're sure. drug addicts, that they're violent, like right. criminals, right? So I I had those preconceived notions in my head, yeah. but I had to push past those uh, to realize that you know they're human, yeah, just like you and me, totally. I get that. That's that's part of why I love doing what I do as well. For that reason, there are areas, parts, pockets in the community 
whether it's in this country, whether it's in Mexico, whether it's whatever, even if it's just a different state sometimes where people say don't go here or, or you don't want to go talk to these people because they're X, Y, Z or whatever. And it's usually negative stuff. Yeah. And so part of my own uh, journey is to push past that fear. Part of what a challenge is to me, a personal challenge, but it's also rewarding, is when you, you go into that community yourself and then you discover for yourself that it's not as scary as people mm -hmm. make it out to be. And in fact, for the most part, <clears throat> people are basically good. You know, people are basically good. They're yeah. They're good to you, and they and they they they're respectful, and uh, you know they're just people who are going through hard times like we are, like anybody, you know. And that to me is probably one of the biggest discoveries. So that's what you're talking about. And that's uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are Words on a Wire, and of course we're talking to rising voice poet journalist Martin Velasco Ramos, based in Central California. We we are actually just about wrapping up, but I want to ask you before I let you go, Martin, uh, what's coming up for you? I'm really focused on this new YouTube channel called The, the Brave Things, which right. is focused on providing research-based guidance uh, to successfully navigate emerging adulthood. So tell me a little about that. What's, like, what's motivating you to do that? I think what motivated me to do that was looking around my, you know, my inner circle and seeing right. uh, a lot of young adults, like family, friends, yeah. who are sort of struggling with the same things that I sort of struggled with in, in, my, in my past. Right. Right. Whether it be uh, mental health issues or struggling to find themselves or yeah. to um, enter the adult world. Right. right, right so right. and I can't I realized very quickly that if I wanted to help these people, I couldn't really do it by my like if I reached out to all of them, I would just spread myself way too thin. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I decided, OK, well, the YouTube platform allows me to give them research based knowledge on a consistent basis without yeah. spreading myself too thin. Right. So that's why I, that's part of the reason why I decided nice. to do and that. And you just started that recently, right? Mm -hmm. The YouTube channel. I and mean, how do we find that? So if you just go to YouTube, you look up the brave things. The brave um, things. The brave things. Yeah. Okay, just don't don't look up the brave things on Google because you'll find something else. It's <laughs> <laughs> YouTube. Right, right. And uh, so then we can start to see uh, how many, so it's, it's as recent as you've it only... Have, it just launched. Oh, okay. Very recent. I only wow. have one video, one introductory video. Right. The next one will drop on the 26th. We'll make sure to follow then. We'll make sure to follow. Um, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Yeah, man. Pleasure, uh, likewise. Yeah, keep up all the good work. You know, we're going to keep following you. So when your first book drops, you know, we'll be the ones to uh, help promote it. Let, let me know. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. And uh, that wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. Uh, we'd like to thank our special guest today, Martin Velasco Ramos. Um, he doesn't have a book out yet, but like I said, we like to highlight emerging voices. And, you know, definitely he's a name to, to keep an eye out and an ear out for because he's doing quite a bit of brave and important work out there. I've been paying attention to his work for the last four or five years now, and he's definitely someone, like I said, to keep an eye on. I uh, also want to thank our producers, uh, our producer in the studio, Sam Cassiano, and our um, podcast producer, Claudia Flores. And you can find this episode as well on our podcast on Apple and um, as well as Spotify. This has also been a pandemic version of Words on a Wire, which means we're recording out of our own homes for now. Uh, that's why you get to hear the wonderful dog Cody in the background barking as well. And, you know, it's it's happening and uh, real and live live. Uh, it's happening live and <laughs> and in the now. So anyway, I'll let you all go. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here on KTEP eighty eight point five FM. Words on the wire.